Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Hope for the holidays, or is it a lump of jobs cold? What what is this market, man? I, this market's got to make up its mind. It's got to do something. And I I go and I search. I look at research and I look at all these financial gurus or financial guys writing articles. Yeah. And so I've got two different articles here. One says the new secular bull market may be upon us. Okay. And it talks about you know like for the next years, not months or weeks, but years long term. Okay. And then the other article is the seven rules to navigate the final leg of a bear market. Wow. Seven Those rules, are totally huh? opposite. Yeah. These guys don't agree with each other. And by the way, the one with the seven rules, it actually is a pretty good article. With It's got a few gold nuggets in there in the rules. And those are all posts in the show notes. So the big question is, is it bull or bear? I mean, what, what, what are we doing? That's right. Okay. Then we're going to talk about uh, Fink, Blackstone CEO, mega billionaire uh, who is now in D.C. lobbying and fixing fixing the system. Ooh, I haven't heard about that. I.e. All protecting right. his monopoly, his yeah, moat. Yeah. Um, and then for clients, be on the lookout for a nice little surprise in the mail, a little, a little uh, uh, holiday treat. Oh, my gosh. And there might be a secret stock chart formula uh, screener. Really? Like a little, a little, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not a zip drive. What do you call it? Thumb drive. You can okay. Put it, and it, it is perfect. Don custom made it, but it's like the Willy Wonka chocolate bar, the gold. O- only one or two clients are going to get it. It's like the gold. Oh, all right. The gold, the a, gold. A dollar. special treat. Yep. Yep. And then we, if we have time, we're going to hit the mailbag. Uncle Tony sent us something funny that, that Vanguard Love Tony. shared with their client. But first we got to do the disclaimer, folks. This Your Money podcast is about entertainment and education. It's to give you some topics to think about, stimulate your mind, stimulate your thinking. It is never, ever, ever to be construed as investment advice. If you need, seek, or want investment advice, please reach out to me, Don, Michael, or your own investment advisor. And certainly, if you want a complimentary portfolio view or anything, just email me, Dan at revereasset.com. By the way, we made it real simple for you. We're not real, real sophisticated here at Revere, except when it comes to managing the money. All the other stuff, it's very formal, family-like. It's Don at revereasset.com, Dan at revereasset.com, and Michael at revereasset.com, and Ted at revereasset.com. So it's real easy. If you know our first name, by God, you can email us a question. (laughs) I can't miss it. Right, right, all right, all right. 
let's let's get down to the the market du jour. Well, first let's let's take the the lightweight topics first and get yeah, those yeah. out of the way because I want to dive deep into the markets and, and get into Don and 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 get the guys uh, their thoughts. But all right, so. Uh, uh, Larry Fink is a chief ex- CEO of BlackRock. You know, they've got all these big, and they're a multi-trillion dollar fund manager, and they're big on ESG investing, and then all the greenies came out and said, oh, man, you own all Exxon, you own all this stuff, you're just a hypocrite. And then you've got conservatives coming out saying, don't go too far with the ESG because we're not ready yet, it's not ready for prime time, you, you need oil, you know, back and forth and back and forth. Sure. Anyway. So he actually said, so BlackRock has put record amounts of money into the political campaigns this last time. And so the reason he's up in D.C. is because he gave politicians on both sides of the aisle a buttload of money. (laughs) Seriously. And now he's coming up for collection. He's, you know, he's like the mob boss. I gave you my money. I'm here to collect. I'm, I'm here to collect the favors. Get in line. And anyway, but he said... He is here to correct the narrative. Correct the narrative. Correct the narrative. That's, that was a quote. Now, really what he's doing, he's trying to, so this, this new retirement act, it does increase the limits for 401ks. It does do good stuff. But they really want to make it so that your 401ks are like the Hotel California. You can check in, but you can never leave. And oh, by the way, if you leave your job, you go to the next 401k, we're going to automatically roll it right over there mm-hmm. for you. You don't have to do a damn thing. Sure. And you know what? When you retire, you, we'll just give you a lifetime. We'll give you some of your own money back little by little. And if you're dead, we'll keep the balance. Uh, but we base it on your life expectancy. So they, it's, they really want to keep your, your hard-earned money because they know better than you. And then they'll droll, give it, drill it out to you in little drips and drabs over time. Oh. Anyway, that's what that's about. So anyway, but but so and by the way, we have to now fill out a new Department of Labor compliance form showing if we ever do an IRA rollover, we got to justify it. Why are we doing it? Better management. What do we did? What do they own? What do you own now? Why are you doing this? Are the fees comparable? Is it you know? And they want to make it onerous for you to do an IRA rollover. Um, but anyway. He has actually now lost uh, millions of dollars or billions of dollars of people taking money out of their firm. So they've got a little bit of a, a PR problem um, they're working on. Um, also, these other two uh, uh, articles about the markets are very good. Now, here's something that is apropos to our clients and to everybody for that matter. And, that, and this is a good article. All these are posted in the show notes. The nine reasons this popular trust isn't just for the super wealthy. That It's a slat. The, Spousal Lifetime Access Trust. Huh. Basically, what that is is you set up a trust, you give away some of your lifetime exemption, your estate exemption. You get a certain amount you can give away free, but you don't have to die to do it. You can do it inter vivos during your lifetime. Hmm. Now, if you'd want to do that earlier, if you want to make your kids rich, you'd already done that, right? You already give it to them, yeah. And they may not give it back, so you you kind of so. But but in 2026, that ex, that that amount is going to get cut in half, right? And so anything over that gets taxed horribly. And this is money you've already paid tax on. So you can put it in that trust so that you kind of give it away while it's in the trust and it kind of grows and stuff. And your wife can live on it uh, during her lifetime. And um, anyway, but I don't want to get too dive too deep in that because that's really a good way to grind the show to a halt. But if you've got any estate questions or the new tax laws or the new increases in 401ks, and IRAs, which I'm excited about. I know Don is. 
because now Don and I get to put a little more money in. That's right. Um, and so should you, by the way, everybody can do it. Um, whether it's an IRA or 401k, well, as long as you have earned income, as long as you're not retired. Anyway, that those are all good articles, but I, I can certainly help you with that. All right. So all the house cleaning is now out of the way. Yes. Oh, one last thing. One last the ma- thing. The mailbag. I forgot the mailbag. Uncle Tony. Uh, Uncle Tony sent me an email. I didn't print out the email. I should have. I'm delinquent. I really want to get in the markets. He said this chart is from a friend of mine's quote Vanguard statement. I love the phrase based on your questionnaire. So in their own Vanguard statement, remember they're on the defense mode because a lot of people have lost 20 plus percent in stocks and bonds both, and so they're feeling a lot of heat from people because now. Um, Don's prophecy of, of, you know, basically Don said a long time ago, Vanguard is a cheap, cheap, cheap way to lose money fast in a bear market. Now, in a good market, it's a way to just index. Uh, well, let me, let's get the quote. Let's get the quote accurate. It okay. is the least expensive way to lose 50% of your money. Okay. Your bear market. Okay. And then we bastardized it so people could understand what it meant. We said, it's a cheap, cheap way to lose money fast. Simplify. Simplify. Yeah, yeah, Simplify. Yeah. <laughs> We, we, we simplified it. That's right. Uh, anyway, anyway. So, but it, the whole point was this article, this Vanguard thing was a little letter kind of trying to talk to the clients and it's saying, look, um, this is, these are the tough times. Now's the time to stay the course. Now's not the time to, you know, say uncle, you know, and, and, and if you're down too much, it's based on your questionnaire you filled out. Now, who's the advisor? Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. They're not an advisor. They're right. a custodian. They're a broker. They have conflicts of interest. Mm. They don't represent you. Oh, but I digress. Mm. All right, enough said. You get the point, folks. If you want really independent, fee-based only advice, that's only comes from a fiduciary, okay? Mm-hmm. You want to get someone that doesn't get paid by anybody except the client. No commissions, no trailers. They don't house a bunch of funds where they're getting fee-sharing arrangements with those funds because they get some higher than others. So guess which funds you're going to get in your pie chart? That's assuming you believe in the pie chart methodology. Right. I don't, but for various reasons. But you digress. The whole point is, even if you believe in that pie chart methodology, you're going to get subpar funds. You could get subpar funds because they get paid better on some than others. Hmm. So you've always got to have your have your uh, antenna up and always follow the money, figure out how your advisor gets paid and ask him, are you a fiduciary? Right. Good question. All right. Enough said. Let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty. So, so in COVID, so I'm going to talk a little bit about bear markets because, you know, we can get a little bit of feedback and look, bear markets are actually, well, obviously they're tougher than bull markets. I don't want to say something stupid where Don starts laughing and then jumps in and, and before I can finish my, Thought, yes, right? but but primary uptrends, uptrends, and bull markets are number one. They're funner because you're making money, right? Yes, but they're also easier to stay in there and hang in there. It's not, and it's, but it's also more stable normally. In other words, they they always say it's an escalator up and an elevator down. But uh, the, the bull market normally goes up more gradually in less fits and starts, and mm. it's usually a little bit. It's less volatile, more consistent. Let's put it that way. Okay. When you get in a bear market, you get in, sometimes you get in sideways, choppy, range-bound markets. Then you'll get in a big draw, uh, uh, another, they call it legs, another leg down. You'll get in a 
a 15, 20% drawdown. Mm -hmm. Then you'll get a massive bear, uh, bear market rally. In fact, the strongest short-term rallies actually occur in bear markets. So you get these volatile, wild, up and down swings, and you get sideways choppiness. So it's, it wears people out. That's what Don was saying on a show a few weeks ago, how bear markets wear both bulls and bears out. Because you start getting long because you get a strong rally. So you get in and, and, oh, it's like Lucy taking the football from Charlie Brown. Right. Oh, nice try. And you get, <laughs> and you get hit, right? Yeah. Or, or you get short because the market starts selling off and all of a sudden you get a rip snort and rally. And so you get cut. So bear markets are harder to navigate. Plus, you're probably getting nicked and cut if you have a sell discipline like us. If you don't, you're getting punched in the nose by Mike Tyson, mm -hmm. right? And so that's, so that's no fun. No. And it's harder. Now, all right, fast forward. To and, where, and where do all those bear markets take place, Dan? Under the 200-day. Is that right? That's, that's I'm, correct. I've been that's listening. correct. I've been, wow. I've been listening. You've been doing your homework. I'm, Dan got a gold star. For checking his flashcards. Okay. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you, hey, you know what? That is actually Don. I'm sorry, we're producing on air here, folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're because because we're so professional. <laughs> um, we ought to come up with a trivia game. Seriously, yeah. like a trivial pursuit for stock traders. Okay. We'll put Ted in charge of making all the questions. He'd love that. He'd love right? that. For oh, sure. he's, he's 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 into it. He's yeah. just diving deep, watching he's, every video. That's he can. right. All right, now, but so we can have that. When do where all bear markets occur under the 21? What is the best short-term moving at? Well, that's kind of subjective. Under you the 200, it? not under the 21. Under the 200. No, no, but I'm saying, I was going to say, which is the best okay. uh, short-term mo exponential moving average? Right. Well, it could be the 8 or 21. <laughs> anyway, we, we could find some agreed-upon uh, classical things, and we could actually make a trivia game on it. I think you could. Anyway, all right. So, so and that's the reason I brought up those articles, because you can literally go Google and say, are we in a bear market, a bull market? And you'll get article upon article about how we're bottoming out and we're about to take off mm -hmm. in 2023. And then just as many articles saying we're in it for another bear market for another, for another year. Yeah. Right. So you really don't know. Okay. Now here's what I do know. Okay. So the COVID bear from high to low, it was down about 33% Moss or Meadows. High to low, not year to date. Year to date is about 25, but yeah. but but because it was up in January and February. But March 23rd in 2020, COVID hit the, the, the max drawdown, right? And then the Fed came out and said, I am spending $4 trillion and I'm buying, I'm buying stocks, I'm buying bonds, I'm buying boats, yachts, whatever. I'm buying anything. Anything that's got an is an asset we're buying, we're gonna pump up the price. Sure. All of a sudden you had a V bottom and that thing just took off. In fact, from the end, from March 23rd to the end of the month, the market was up like 50, S&P was up like 15%. Mm. That's a huge move for 10 days. But that's what happens off market bottoms. You get 10, 15, 20% rallies in very short order. Problem is you don't know, you're still not sure whether it's a bear market rally and you're getting sucked in or whether it's going to have legs. But you got to have some way to get in to some degree so that if it is got legs, you can continue to add to it because you can't just go all in and all out 100% of the portfolio because you end up getting whipsawed, yeah. okay? Point being, that V-bottom COVID bear market where it went straight down and then all of a sudden went straight up because the Fed just started printing money, that is actually not quite, the, no, that's a little unusual. It happens, but it's not that usual. 
In 2008, it was entirely different. The bear market was over a year long, and it really wasn't until the Fed started getting aggressive and then continue and showed that it was willing to do stuff that the market started rallying in March, of, uh, I think March 9th of 2009, but mm. memory serves was a bottom. But anyway, but that took a while. Same thing with the tech wreck of 2000, 2001. It took a little while to get that out of the system. And the Fed, once, but once the Fed became switch gears and became more dovish, it was much easier for the markets to rally. So the markets have been having headwinds up until two days ago, up until Wednesday. Powell has been steadfast that he is going to keep raising, raising, raising. He's going to kill inflation. Wednesday, he blinked. He said, you know what? We may not have to raise rates nearly as aggressively. In fact, we may be able to stay. We're, going to, we're really going to slow down our aggressive posture. I'm paraphrasing. Okay. okay? Yeah. Market had a massive day on Wednesday. Okay? Had a little consolidation yesterday. And today, the markets were down big at the open because the, 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 the jobs numbers um, came in really strong. And the markets absolutely were down 1.5%, 2%. And now, uh, the S&P's down a little over half, and the uh, Nasdaq's, uh, the Dow's down a third, and the Nasdaq's down one. Point being, it's down much less than it was, and it's really showing some strength. Huh. But everybody was looking at COVID to compare this bear market to, not maybe a better example. So the questions I'm going to have for Don, and these are many, but I'm just going to throw them out there so you can take them in any particular order, Don. A, once you get down somewhere at the bottoming, you think it is, it could be another third leg down or could rally from here, okay? So you don't really know. What do you do? Do you say, okay, we've already had a 20% down. This is low enough. I'm just going to go all in because I got tons of cash. Or do you try to get in gradually and how do you protect yourself and what do you do? Mm. All right, so with that, I teed it up for you, Don. I want to hear the answer. Sure. Let's uh, show the chart, Zach. Got it. And this is a chart of the S&P 500 set to the end of July 2009. Uh, the last leg down in uh, of the financial crisis started in January of 2009, and it ended in March 2009, as Dan noticed. So we're going to apply the same rules, and we've studied all these bear markets. We've, we have, in fact, applied the same rules coming off the bottom uh, as would have worked historically in these bear markets coming off the bottom. So the first thing we look for is uh, a low that holds, and then we're looking for the classic William O'Neill follow-through days, which is a gain of uh, about 1.4% on above average volume on the fourth to seventh day off of the bottom. And we did get that on, I believe, 3-12-2009, and it also did, it accomplished another key level that we look for, and that's a reclaim of this green line. That's the 21-day exponential moving average. And if you, and that is our primary short-term re-entry signal. When you come off a bottom, uh, you get back above the eight, that's the purple line, that's kind of telling us we might dip a few toes in there because... Uh, we'll use this shakeout low, the prior low, as our stop, very similar to what we did on 10.13. And then you get back above the 8, and you get your follow-through day, and you get a close above the 21. And if you just paid attention to that 21, it wasn't violated for the next 1, 2, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen weeks. We trade we trended above the twenty-one day exponential moving average, and as part of that, we got back above the medium term moving average, that's the 50 day, and we got back above the 200 day moving average. That's the black line. The red line's the 50 day. The black line is the 200 day. Now we tested the 200 day to the downside again, uh, and we broke below the 21 all the way in 616. So from three, so from the uh, beginning of March to the beginning of June, you had a short term uptrend, participated in a medium term uptrend, got above the long term trend, but the slope of the line is still pointing down. So you're not out of the woods yet. If the slope of the 200 day moving average is still pointing down, because notice what happens. We stayed above it, but we're making lower highs now. So this is a correction within the recovery. Okay. And then over here in July, we got back above all of the moving averages again. And then let me move this to the end of the year. We rallied into the end of the year. So we're going to apply the same rules. Let's. So here's the rally that I was talking about, rallying into the year. A couple of pullbacks held the 50-day, a couple of uh, a week or two under the 50-day, but well above the 200-day moving average. And then look, the slope of the line of the 200s to turn up. This is a very good signal when that happens. So let's go back to today. And very similar. Here's your shakeout day, 1013. We got back above the 21, but it was a false move above. Then we got back above it on 10.21, and we stayed above it, but it was a false move above. This has been much more difficult than the final recovery off of uh, the financial crisis low. Then we had this big gap up on 11.10. This is when the CPI data was positive, uh, and we're above the 21. We came back and tested it uh, on the day, on Wednesday. And Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, when Jay Powell had his uh, speech and his Q&A, and we started, we bounced off it to the upside and got back above the 200 day for the first time. So you can compare this to that time back in 2009 when we got back above the 200 day. Now the slope of the line is still going down, but it's not as steep as it was in 2009. In fact, it's only dropping two points a day right now. Uh, so it's still making lower lows. So we it was at 4050 when we got back above it on 1130, then it's 4048, then it's 4046, still going down, but it's it's basically flattening out. And we tested it, held it, and got back above it today uh, on the S&P. And if we hold today's lows and we close above this 200-day uh, moving average, that's a big plus for the market. But it's not, it, it the signal that I did all those bear market studies on, was a 1% or more close at, a, at the end of the week above the 200-day or the 40-week, and it doesn't look, look like we're going to get that. So we'll get uh, we'll get uh, one thumbs up, but not two thumbs up. Two would have been if we close up a percent or more above uh, the 200-day moving average. But if we hold on to where we are right now, we're at 40.52, 40.45 is the 200-day moving average. If we hold on above that and close the week above that, that's good, but it's not great because we didn't get that 1% separation above uh, the 200-day moving average, which is the criteria I used when I did the, uh, all those bear market studies and generated those statistics. So not a full green light, but we've been adding exposure. We got our beta back above 1.0 today, 
based on the back test and the hold of that 200 day moving average. That's the first time we got back above a 1.0 because all three of the criteria are met. Are we above the 50 day? Are we above the 21 day? Are we above the 200 day? Yes, yes, and yes. So that gives us the green light to put the pedal down a little bit more and make our exposure back to above 1.0. 1.0 of a beta is as much risk as the S&P 500. So that's where we're at now. And uh, making a couple, a few percentage gains off the last couple of days off of this low uh, and holding on to them and leading stocks are outperforming the indexes today. That's a very important uh, a point of fact that I want to bring into the picture. You always want to uh, look at how leading stocks are doing uh, relative to the indexes. And really what's still dragging down the indexes is those big fang stocks. Tesla red today, Apple red, Amazon red, Google red, Microsoft red, uh, all by a, approximately a, a percent. One that is bucking the trend is the largest position in our portfolio, and that's Netflix, which is on track to be up for the third straight day and had some nice volume uh, coming into it. Uh, and that's one that we identified with volume, good price action, and it's a big liquid leader. The, the institutions love these big liquid stocks to be able to pour money into, Dan, and this one is outperforming uh, all of the liquid, the big top 10 NASDAQ 100 stocks right now. So the key level for the close of this week is 4045 on the S&P. Right now we're six, six points above it. We undercut it today. We recovered it. The undercut and recover is very bullish action. Uh, that's basically the market shaking off the very strong jobs report, and it was really strong. There were no, there was no, yeah, but you could say this, yeah, but you can say that. Wages were up. Uh, the number of jobs were up across the board. It was just stronger than you want to see if you're in an environment where you're trying to tame inflation. But the market for right now is shaking it off. And as long as it continues to shake it off, we'll continue with our uh, exposure to the market, but always with stops in place for everything that we own. All right. Well, I would have put my Don Terpreter on for just a little bit of that. As you so, always do. As you always do. Yeah, thank you. Yes. So that was pretty technical. It's like drinking out of a fire hose. Fortunately, I know most of those terms and I got my I got my investment book like my investment book for dummies in case sure. I, yeah. I he stumps me with one, but he didn't stump me today, thank okay. God. So I don't need to get the book out. Um so what he was saying was, you know, the shorter term momentum is getting, you know, the, the short term indicators, the short term moving averages, the 21 exponential, those move quicker and they're short term momentum. And then the 50 days kind of midterm momentum, the 200 days long term momentum, right? Mm -hmm. And he's saying the short and midterm have already turned positive. The 200 is just now flattening out where it's just where if it curls up, that's actually very bullish. But we've gotten above it, and if we hold that 200-day, there's also a lot of institutional money that keys off the 200-day moving average. They're not real, real active, but they'll get either more defensive or less defensive just based on the 200-day, because they know all those studies that Don knows, that all the bear markets occur in under the 200-day, et cetera. Right. So, but one of my questions was, how do you do it? Do you add all in? Do you just go all in? So what he's saying, it, so we have added a couple layers over the past week or so, right? Mm -hmm. And added, he's identified some leading stocks, individual stocks, but we've also added some ETFs. So we've increased the beta exposure, right? Yeah. So you don't do it all in all at once. And now because when we reclaimed the 200 day, he was comfortable doing a whole nother chunk of money exposure and getting us much more aggressive. But 
we do have tight stops in place. So the answer is you've got to be willing to step in and get in because when the market does rally, it will rally fast and furious. Movie. Um, Definitely. You know, like 14 of them. God, can, we, can we just shut that series down? Anyway, um, so it's really important, but you've got to have a way to get out. If you know that you're going to have a sell discipline to get you out of harm's way in case it does roll over, because this is pretty tenuous still. We could be in for more hurt. Now, if the market does start to rally and get legs and momentum picks up, you've got lots of cash on the sideline. You've got a lot of people short this market. You could see a short covering rally and then FOMO kicking in and people wanting to add money. So don't think based on, oh, we're going into recession, look at this stuff, look how bad things are, that the market can't rally 20 25%. And also, you got to be willing and supple, you know, supple enough to say it could go down another twenty percent from here. Right. And then you got to have kind of rules to do both, which is what we do at Revere. All right. Thank you, Don. Uh, was that was that pretty good, uh, Dan Terpreter? Is that okay? You you did, and and really, and I try to hit this uh, to 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 nail this point home every time we do a video. There's four things that we look at. We look at how are the indexes acting relative to those three timeframes, the short-term 21-day moving average, the medium-term 50-day moving average, the long-term 200-day moving average, and if they're, and in tandem with that, how are leading stocks acting? Those are the four criteria that always go into if-then-else scenarios that dictate to us how much capital is, is uh, safe to put into the market. So okay. if you just understand those four things that we're looking at three different time frames and how are leading stocks acting, and we make reactions based on the answers to those four questions, and um, that that pretty much summarizes it. And and you su- you summed it up pretty well. The first step back in is the short term moving average. Get back above that. Uh, then look at the intermediate term. Then look at the long term. But the long term is has a lot of weight involved yes, to yes. it. And you, you made a great point about the big institutions. There are a lot of them that use that 200-day moving average as their dividing line between a healthy market and a risky market. And we absolutely uh, are one of those uh, institutions that are doing that. So, and, and, and by the way, to add to his point, to clarify, so when, I, when he said, you know, the short term picks up first, turns positive first, obviously, because it's shorter term. It also is the one that's got a higher probability of changing direction. It's shorter term. It changes more often. It's more volatile, right? Yeah. So when the, the short term, if it turns positive, it's a little bit higher probability that trade won't work out, you know, versus like once you clear the 200-day, that's more of a, a, a longer trend, and it's, it doesn't change quite as often. So when Don was saying the weights, he may add 20% if short term turns positive or 25 with tight stops, he may add a little bit some more, another 20, 30% with the midterm, but then he'll put a lot of chips in when the 200, you know, we get above the 200. So they're not equally weighted. That's a, that's a great point. All right. So without further ado, I want to hear what the Revere analyst team have. Uh, why don't we, why don't we uh, switch the tables? Why don't we go with Ted first this time? Yeah, I like that. Can't hear him though. Ted, Ted, are you there? Stand by, Hello? he's got it. There he there is. There he is. There's the man, Ted. Good to hear from you. So, yeah. So today I'll be talking about gold and silver. 
But first, I wanted to bring up my dollar thesis that I had a few weeks ago. And so, Don, if you can pull up the dollar chart, that'd be quite helpful. Okay. So, actually, can you go on the weekly, please? Okay, so a few weeks ago, I noted that the dollar broke its upper trend line. If Don were to draw, the, like connect those three points, um, William Manil has indicated that 75 to 80% of securities or stocks that break the upper trend line after a sustained period of in advance tends to mark the top or at least the local top. So I noted that, and that was my first red flag. My second red flag was that one reversal bar with the highest volume ever. It's indicated by Market Smith with that little yellow bubble near the volume bars. And that was my second red flag. My third red flag was the five to six distribution days on the daily chart and within like a few week period. And so with those three factors, I've tweeted multiple times and I've also stated on this podcast that I think the dollar has definitely put in a local top and perhaps a like um, just like a global top, if you were to say. Um, so that brings me to gold and silver. The dollar with, with the dollar weakening, people like during inflationary times need to like like almost find a safe haven, if you were to say. And gold and silver has been been a commodity that people are accumulating. So you can see on this GLD daily chart, we have those skyscraper blue volume bars, and that just clearly shows that institutions or people with a lot of money are accumulating gold. And so that first move was very powerful. And then the digestion was on lower volume and very orderly. And now recently volume came in again and we briefly overtook the 200 day moving average. And what even made it more powerful was that after today's um, un unemployment numbers, we had a huge shakeout, but we're pretty much at the top, top of the range and almost green at this point, which is, which is very bullish for gold. If we go to SL, the GDX chart for gold is pretty much the same action as well um gld gdx two two securities that you can use to trade gold and then next for slv that is the silver etf i think it looks even better than the gold etfs the 200 day is much closer to the basing action um we've we've broken out of this area putting in new higher highs with volume and yeah so we're seeing a lot of powerful action in gold and silver and now I'm just going to talk about a couple individual stocks. So well, I well, Ted, own... Ted, 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 hang on. Before you go, before you talk about that stock, I did would like to bring up because I do help, you know, clients occasionally and even uh, non-clients. You know, I, I counsel on physical precious metals, not the not the paper, but okay. physical precious metals, and because I've got a contact at one of the biggest global wholesalers, so I can help. So recently, I helped a guy buy some gold and silver. Mm -hmm. You could still buy the gold, no problem, and the it's a couple-day delay, but the delivery time for silver, you can't find 100-ounce silver bars. They're very, very hard, and you can't find 10-ounce bars. You can only find the silver coins. Some are more common, than, and you still got to wait weeks to really? take delivery. Yes. Silver, so the supply of silver is very tight, regardless of what any of the guys are saying. I can tell you uh, firsthand, the physical. Anyway, go, go ahead. Okay, so the first name I want to take a look at is GFI, and I first established a position on eleven twenty-two, a five percent position, and then I added more. Um, I forgot the exact day. 
I think I added more a couple days later. And recently I added a fifth 5% increment yesterday. And just like GLD today, there's a huge shakeout. It missed my stop by a couple cents and now is trading at the top of its range almost. Well, not exactly the top of its range, but it's recovered a lot of its losses, which is good price action, strong price action to me. Another gold name is AG, and it's broken out of the base, showing a lot of power. Um, there's not too much to know about that. There's a lot of accumulation bars, this blue skyscraper bars within the last couple months. And then finally, I wanted to go to a silver name, um, Oh, sorry, this is the silver name. AGI was the gold name. So sorry, I got confused with the two. But anyways, all these names, gold and silver, are exhibiting a lot of accumulation on the daily chart, noted by, again, the blue volume bars. And I'm just staring at the sector right now over the next months and perhaps even years. We can right. see a definitely a bull market um, so, take place in these markets. So you think it's setting up for a longer term trend? Okay. Yeah. All right. Especially this inflationary period. Yeah. I All think right. I, I somewhere about like the in like the nineteen seventies, there was a like a period of three to four years where gold and silver did very well. I, I remember it very, very well. In fact, I used to play with the tennis uh guy. He played with me because he was he was really, really good and he needed some I was a high school player and he was a huge gold buck. It was a seventy eight and it was running. And yeah. he kept bragging he'd buy more and more. I don't think he got out though, because it topped out like at eight thirty or so, eight hundred, and it quickly rolled over, and then he was crying in his in his beer. So you, <laughs> it doesn't matter whether it's physical precious metals or GLD or GDX or a stock or a bond, you should have a sell discipline with everything. All right. Without yep. further ado, let's go to Michael Ramos. Michael, what do you got today? All right. So um, it's actually. Um, very connected to what we've been talking about, which is great because I just wanted to share some stats and uh, some information that I thought would be helpful for our uh, listeners. And um, today we mentioned the 200-day uh, moving average a lot. And um, I just thought it would be important to maybe um, explain why the 200-day moving average is so important and what it represents. And um, in the market, um, obviously, because the market's closed on weekends and holidays, um, there's about 252 days of trading that take place um, in, in a given year. And um, of those 252 days, there are some days with less volume. Uh, people are on holiday, not really trading as much, not active. Um, so based on, on like average volume and um, seasonality, 200 days is, is a, a good average of um, the amount of like trading days in, in a year. It's a good, um, it's a good number that represents that. So, and then why it's important is um, basically, if you look at the average price over the last 200 days, it represents um, sort of where the average person or institution has entered that market, the average price that they've paid for that, um, for that security. So if you're above it, it acts as support when you come down to it and it's trending higher. And if you're below it, when you come up to it, it acts as resistance because the market's trending lower and people use that as an opportunity to get out at cost. Um, so that's sort of why it's so important and used. It's, it's the, the longest, there will, the, the most common long-term moving average that, that people look at um, about one year in the market. And then um, some stats that, that I thought were, were interesting at this, um, at this point in the market now, because we are above that 200 day moving average 
is um, since 1950, the S&P 500 has shown an average monthly gain of approximately 1.55% in December, making it the third best month of the year um, behind November and April. So going into this period now, we are above that 200-day moving average, and we've got this positive seasonality behind us, um, uh, as sort of as a tailwind. And then January also tends to be positive with an average monthly gain of 1.07%, and that's um, measured since 1950. And um, in the last five years, so looking a, a little in more recent history, um, every December was positive except for 2018. Um, and 2018, in, sorry, December in 2018 was actually the worst December since 1931. And what happened there was we had um, the Fed tightening. They were at the earlier stages of the tightening cycle, whereas today we're seeing almost the end of the tunnel in, in terms of uh, the, this rate uh, hike cycle. And then we were also in, in the midst of a trade war with China, and that was intensifying. And uh, there were concerns of a slowing economy, which is similar to, to what we have today. So there are some similarities. There are some differences. Um, but we we do at the as far as as things are going currently we we have that positive seasonality uh, behind us that that is um, pushing us higher. Um, we're back above that 200-day moving average. And um, something else that's interesting is the Nasdaq had more new highs than lows for the first time. Um, this is yesterday for the first time since August. So that's also a um, a positive tailwind. So. Um, also, what's interesting is if you um, if if you check out that chart that uh, that Don showed earlier from the bear market in um, 0809, you can see um, the the seasonality on, on that chart pretty clearly. Um, we we bottomed um, we had the first bottom in in um, in December, um, and then we rallied into um, into there about uh, to January, December of 2008. Um, we hit that first uh, first low. Then December was was a positive month, and then into January we started selling off again. And then in April is when we we um, end of March, April is when we hit that that final uh, bottom, and then and then rallied off of there. So it's consistent with the uh, the the typical seasonality of of the market. So um, that, that's something also important to to factor into your your positioning and where you want to get in and out. Um, if if the market's respecting seasonality, um, you got to go with it. And just in terms of where we're at now, like the headwinds that were really um, dragging this market lower, what we've been dealing with for a while is is inflation and interest rates. And we've got some uh, some good CPI numbers. Um, the the reports are coming out showing that inflation seems to be peaking. Um, that narrative is consistent. And then you've also got the Fed saying that um, they're going to potentially slow down on hiking and we're near the end of that that uh, rate hike cycle so a lot of those headwinds um are are behind us and and yeah so so we've got um yeah some something to uh, all be right. optimistic about all right thanks michael so and, and here's the main point that i really wanted to make at the beginning of the show and that is when it's time to really invest and be aggressive now, this is assuming you didn't get crushed and go down 30% to begin with or 25% to begin with, and you have some cash on the sidelines and you're being conservative or, you know, protecting your principal. Is 
you, you, how, what do you do to get back in and how do you monitor that? Right. And how will you know when it's time to be more aggressive? Because when it's time, it's not going to feel right. And when it's time, that market's going to go up 20, 25, 30% and it will not feel right. And it, you will scratch your head and go, I do not understand that. That makes no sense to me. The market or the, the price, price is truth. The market is the best leading indicator, not lagging. So it'll start selling off into a bear market before a recession, before recession talks. It'll start rallying while we're still having recession talks on the way up. Okay? So that's why it's important to follow the price, and price is true. Yeah. Folks, listen, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor. Just send them to revereasset.com. In the top right corner, there's a little subscribe button. They can hit subscribe. Just put their name and email address in there. We won't spam them or reach out to them or try to sell them. It's up to them to reach out to us. I don't even look at the list, really. Um, it's up to them to reach out to us and <laughs> let us know they want to do a complimentary portfolio review or, or ask questions. Or if you want to have a topic you want discussed on the show, there's also a contact button there. You can hit the contact and send me a message. Okay? Um, um, and you can email any of us, Don at revereasset.com, Ted, uh, Michael, or me, Dan, at revereasset.com. And you can always call us old school at 855-REAL-WELL. We'll talk to you next week on Your Money. Because it's not how much you make in the market, it's how much of that you can keep. Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.